Welcome to the Wake Up Call podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Hopkins. By day I work in corporate, but I have an obsession with all things personal development. So I became a life coach and started this podcast as a way to help others break free from living a life that's good on the outside and wake up to the one they actually want. When I got to my most uncertain place, all I wanted was someone to say, hey Alicia, you're a little off course and this is what you need to do. That's what I wanna be for you. This podcast is a place where I want to share my experiences and provide you with community, knowledge, and inspiration to make change in your life. Sometimes we get a little lost and need help course correcting. If this sounds like you, you're in the right place. Let this be your wake up call. Now let's get started. Hey everyone, I wanted to share a few quick things about this episode before you tune in. So first of all, It was a dream interview of mine, I'm not even gonna lie. If you follow me on Instagram, you would have seen that I have shared, um, I like to share podcasts that I listen to that you know are meaningful to me. And about a year ago, I discovered The Art of Living Big. It's a podcast by Betsy Paik, who is the interview you're about to listen to. And she opened my eyes to concepts I had never ever heard of or been exposed to. And most notably, she talks a lot about making change in your life and also creating the life you want. You know, so often we get stuck in these narratives that we carry on that we, you know, we that tell us why we can't achieve certain things in our life. Well, Betsy specializes in NLP, which stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. Don't get too hung up on that. She's going to tell you more about what that means. But if I had to sum it up in a simple explanation, it's learning to tap into the stories and the beliefs that we hold in our subconscious that are playing out on repeat. So when we can identify what those stories are, those beliefs that are keeping us stuck, we can move past them more quickly, making change with greater ease and you know moving toward that life that you really desire. So I think you're gonna gain a lot of really great nuggets from Betsy. I'm so excited if this is the first time you're being exposed to anything you know surrounding subconscious and LP, I think your mind is gonna be blown, um, but I just can't wait for you to listen to it and I can't wait to hear what you think. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Wake Up Call podcast. This is your host, Alicia Hopkins. And today I am so excited to be joined by one of my personal favorite podcast hosts and someone who I consider to be a mentor. Her name is Betsy Paik, and I'll let her introduce um, herself here in just a second. But she has an incredible podcast called The Art of Living Big. And it was that's the first way I got introduced to her. And Betsy just has some amazing content, does all sorts of amazing things in the coaching world. And without further ado, Betsy, hello, how are you? Would you like to introduce yourself to my my listeners? Yeah, hey, hi everybody. Yeah, so I'm so honored. That's a nice little introduction, thank you. Yes, of course. (laughs) I am a trained NLP practitioner. I'm a master practitioner and I'm actually a trainer of NLP. So I certify other people to become trainers um, and to become hypnotherapists. And really, I um, I, I love helping people get excited about their life again. And that's really where I try and focus. That is amazing. And 
something, there's a couple things when I thought about, you know, I've had a couple topics brewing that I've been thinking about for my podcast that I wanted to kind of break some things down. And then when you and I were talking and, you know, talked about you coming on the show, I was like, oh my God, Betsy is the person I want to break these things down with. And mm -hmm. the, the topics that I'm, that I'm um, referencing are jealousy and comparison because they showed up for me in a major way last year. And before I go there, I was hoping you might be able to explain NLP. What is it? What do you do? This has been kind of like a new area that I've been obsessed and, you know, learning all sorts of things, but I, I was hoping you could share like, what is, what is NLP? What does that mean? Yeah, that's such a good question. You know, there is not like a specific definition of NLP. There are many definitions of NLP, but I think the easiest way to understand what it is, is to know that there's lots of different modalities or ways that people coach right? So mm -hmm. sometimes people have healing modalities that they use, or they use language to help reframe and those kinds of things. So NLP is really a study of excellence. And it is noticing how language creates your reality. So I believe that language actually creates our reality. So you're not walking around like experiencing I'm using air quotes, like reality, reality is created internally by the way that you use words. This is why I think it's so important for us to notice how we're talking about ourselves, how we're talking about other people, how we're talking about like big things in the world that we want to shift. And so NLP is really the study of that, the study of excellence. How do excellent people, people that are excellent at this particular thing, how do they think? How do they, what do they do, be, and have, right? How do they think about things? What are the actions they take? What's the identity? So really when I work with people with NLP, I really try to get to the highest identity, I, I focus on the subconscious mind and get to the identity as the highest level of your unconscious mind. So if I can shift someone from the identity, which is part of NLP, when I shift someone from identity, their actions change, you know, their behavior changes, everything becomes easier. So I like quick and I like easy, quick and easy. You know, I don't want things to take a long, long time. Somebody said to me once, um, they were telling me about their coaching program and I'm sure they are an amazing coach, but they were saying, I have this 14 week cycle to get somebody to change. And I, at first I thought, well, like they have 14 weeks if they do different things. And they were like, no, we just like pick the one thing that they would need. And then we focus on that one thing and change that one thing over 14 weeks. And I was like, who has 14 weeks? Like, no, right. like, so NLP I love because it leverages time. So it doesn't take 14 weeks. It takes 10 minutes. You know, when I was young, I hit my arm on the edge of the iron. When my mom was ironing, I still have a scar. And after that, I immediately was aware of where the iron was, even if it was off, even if it was in the other room, <laughs> like I knew where the iron was. I didn't have to go burn myself every day for 14 weeks. Like it doesn't take that long to change and to learn, right? So we just got to leverage things to make it happen faster. Which is so interesting because I think of for so long in my life for the things I've wanted to change, I feel like change has to be this like arduous, like long, I don't know. It just, I think maybe, and you know, I know now retrospectively I've approached making change in my life from not from the identity. Like, I think I was just slapping 
physical changes, like right. The environment, things like that without actually getting into the identity piece. But so how, how are you working with people? Like where, you know, you mentioned the subconscious. So are you, when you talk about being able to get, you know, quicker results or, you know, helping change, helping facilitate that faster, what, what's different with NLP? Like, is it, is it uncovering the limiting beliefs? Like, what do you, what do you feel like helps people, the people you work with make change faster in their life? So a couple different things, a couple things that you said. So the way that you have always done change in your life is a really kind of normal. It's how we've been taught is that we change like our environment and our behavior, you know, at the beginning of like new year's resolution time, that's what we do is we like join a gym and then we're like, I'm going to meal prep. Right. And then after like two weeks, maybe three weeks, we get like where we start going back into our old patterns. And then people feel like crap about themselves because they're like, I have no motivation. I can't stay motivated, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's always painful for me because that's the normal cycle, but that's not true. It's not that you're not motivated. It's not that you don't care or you don't have grit or you're like weak. It's not that it's that your brain is super powerful and it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do, which is keep you in equilibrium, which is where you have always been. Right. So when we look at our unconscious mind, let's say we look at like a ladder down at the bottom is our environment. And then right above the rung, right above that is our behavior. And then we have, and those things are conscious. They're the things we consciously like plan and do. Mm -hmm. And then right above that, we have the potential, like what we actually think we're capable of. And now we're getting into like unconscious, the things that aren't totally aware, right? And then we get into beliefs. Uh, The rung above that is our values. And our values are actually clusters of beliefs. And then above that is identity. So when I can change somebody's identity, then everything below it on the ladder changes. So when I used to own, years ago, I owned a CrossFit gym and I was a competitive athlete. I know, but it was years ago. (laughs) It was years ago. And when we would go on vacation, I remember I would find a gym, call ahead, ask them if I could come train there. Like it was just part of what I did. I didn't think about it. And last summer we were going, we, oh, it was like COVID was starting to like chill out a little bit and we were going to run to the beach. My dad lives down there. So we were like, let's run down there. And I was like, should I bring sneakers? I don't know. Should I bring sneakers? And I was like, oh my God, I'm like spending a lot of time trying to decide if I should even bring sneakers, like, or just flip-flops because it wasn't who I was. You'll notice, even as I said, I used to be an athlete. So my identity changed. So my behavior changed. I had to think about it. Right. Sure. So, so when we, when people feel bad, cause they haven't achieved what they want to achieve, I'm like, you're just going about it wrong. It's just cause you're doing it wrong. It would be like, if I gave you a swimsuit and told you to go ride a bike, like you, you don't have the right gear and it's, it's not your fault. So when we can shift people and we shift your identity a lot of different ways, but you know, the things that lead up to that are those values and beliefs. The beliefs are just the things that you think about yourself or think over and over and over again. Now here's the clicker. I don't mean to keep talking. Uh, no, I love I can talking. listen all this stuff is like it, my wheels are spinning. So no, tell okay, tell okay, share, share more. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think that one of the things that we um one of the things and like you said in the beginning it takes a long time to change. 
And I think we have sort of lived in a society that if we wanted to change or we had something that we needed to heal, we went to a therapist. Now, I think therapy is awesome. I send my daughter every other week. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. great. Yeah. It also isn't necessarily for change work. I think of it more as awareness. And awareness can sometimes take a long time because there's layers to that, right? So when I have awareness, then it's really fast to change. So if you can get somebody like you that's a coach to give somebody awareness, to reflect back to them, that's when they can see, oh, I have a story around this. And the story is just full of your beliefs. Once you know the story, then you could say, is that story even serving me? You know, and if it's not, then you can start to shift it. And I think that that really leads into like your topic for today, which Mm -hmm. is like about comparison and about who we see ourselves as. No, totally. And it's, you know, even as you were talking, I think about, I used to go to a therapist very, very frequently, um, you know, and quite honestly, I'll probably go to therapy again in my life. I just haven't, you know, yeah. gotten up with one since we moved. But it's interesting is that you were spot on as far as therapy helped me create the awareness and see some of the things in my life that I didn't want them to be that way. But coaching has been the thing that's really helped me pivot and take the action towards change, you know, cause I think when I started, um, you know, even learning, you know, going through my coach certification process and then now questions that my friends will often have to me is like, what's a coach anyways? Like what's the difference between a coach? What's the difference between a therapist, you know? And I, I just, um, I think they can go really nicely together, but I love what you're saying as far as like, coaching is where you really help people take the action to move forward, which is, you know, we identify, we create the awareness of those stories and then how do we move past them and like move forward? You know, I I always say that a therapist will help get you to the bottom of the mountain. You know, if you're like in the middle of the desert and you're trying to climb a mountain, you need to get your leg bandaged. You need to get ointment on your knee, whatever it is, you get to the to the bottom of the mountain. Once you're to the bottom of the mountain and you're healthy and ready to go and you want to up level, then a coach is there to help you take that sky high and help reach your full potential. That's a really great way to like paint that picture, you know, and like give the example of it. I think that's like a beautiful, beautiful way to describe it. Yeah. So unpacking, you know, this jealousy and comparison, because I, I would love to get your perspective on it because for I'll kind of, I'll, I'll paint, you know, or I'll, I'll um, lay out the landscape of kind of how it all unfolded to me or for me last year was that, you know, 2020, right. Um, work from home, have more time on my side or on my hands, you know, become, become a life coach, decide that I'm going to launch a coaching practice on the side. I'm in, you know, several group uh, coaching workshops and I'm seeing these people have lots of success And so it started triggering things in me and how before I was aware of what was going on, it's like, I'd have that, that jealousy, you know, get, get activated. And then it was like, it prompted me into all sorts of thoughts that, right, weren't exactly very um, positive or helpful. I think what it was is once I started breaking it down, I felt so many other emotions that ended up unraveling from jealousy and it, it took me to a bad place. I mean, it would take me to what's wrong with me. Why aren't I there yet? Then I would also sort of start slipping into victim as far as like, well, this person has this going on for them. And, you know, it's like, I'd make all these excuses and I, I know how to better navigate it now to 
you know, I, I now view jealousy and comparison as something that is available for me, but I'm curious, like, I know I just sort of like spewed a bunch of randomness there, but like, where, how do you unpack jealousy or comparison, whether in your life or when you're working with your clients, like, what do you see out of jealousy and comparison? So I think we labeled jealousy as something bad. You know, we have a lot of um, emotions that we go, that's bad. I don't want to feel that. But it's all just information. And so if you're getting information, what's the, what's the real story? So, and I'm going to mind read about what was really happening with you because I don't know. Yeah. But you have a feeling that uh, jealousy is not something you want to have, right? It's bad. And, and probably as kids, we're told that, do you know what I mean? Like, don't be jealous. You're You're being jealous. You're so right. But it's not bad. It's just emotion. It's just a, it's information. So you get this information, you decide it's bad, and then you have a story around it. And the story it sounds like you have is that they have that. And I can't have that because if you thought you could have it, then you would feel differently about it when you sell it. Mm -hmm. So when I, and I get like that where I see something and I'm like, oh, I want that. Oh, that looks really good. I follow somebody on Instagram that um, there's a lot of things about her life I don't want. She's in her 20s and I'm about to turn 50 and I wouldn't trade that for anything, right? Sure. But like she has a level of freedom that I see. So she, I, I wouldn't treat my freedom in the same way that she does, but I see the freedom Mm -hmm. And I feel that I go, oh, I have that emotion, right? That you would label as negative jealousy. Let's say you might label it differently now, but just from this conversation, you might label that as negative jealousy, but I go, that's information. That means there's something I see in her that's in me that I haven't exploited yet, right? I haven't expanded on it. So it wants to come out. And so that's the yearning of it wanting to come out and express itself in me. So there's a level of freedom in me that wants to come out. And when I see it in her, it's reflecting back to me. I can't see something in someone else if it's not in me. This is not how it works. <laughs> so, oh, oh yeah. no, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, well, yeah, so I, I was just going to say, so when I see that, I go, I go, oh, I get really excited. Because it's a clue. There's something that she's doing that I want. Is it, it's not the Louis Vuitton purse. Cause I really don't care. I could go buy one of those now. I just, that's yeah. not where my, <laughs> I don't care about it, but it's the fact that she could just go and like, just decide she was going to go drop three grand on a purse. I'm like, that sounds fun. Like I want to just go drop three grand on a trip to the beach. Do you know what I mean? So sure. it's the freedom. So I go, that is something in me that wants to be expressed. Number one, why am I not expressing it? What is it that I believe that's telling me I can't express it? Mm-hmm. And there's my belief that I have to heal. When I can heal that, it opens up and then all of the sudden things become available to me. There is that that thing that it is the thing that I want, right? That then shows me this is the thing you want. This is the thing that's holding you back. Unconsciously, if, if I had been unconscious to that, or if I had kept pushing jealousy and said that like, that's really yucky, I don't want to feel that. If I kept pushing that aside, I'd never end up getting the freedom that was mine because it was mine because I saw it. Gosh, oh my, lots to unpack there because two things that initially jumped out at me is I love that you're, you, right, touching on emotions and what we label as good, bad, I don't want this, I do want this. And like, 
I think we, the majority of people don't have a healthy grip on understanding that like we are meant to feel all kinds of emotions and it's not bad, good, right, wrong. It's just, these are emotions that are available for us to, to feel. So it's kind Mm -hmm. of like, I hear that one piece of this is almost us learning to kind of neutralize the like what we assign to an emotion, you know, or kind of neutralizing that and not labeling bad, good. It's just an emotion, but then it's also, it's kind of like decoding. What does that emotion mean? Or like what's underneath when you, you, the story you shared of that, when you do the digging and get curious, it's actually the freedom that you, that you want, right. That it's like kind of disguised as you, you know, you seeing somebody buy the bag or whatever, but it's, it's like, what's underneath. And I think so many of us react and respond one before we kind of neutralize the emotion and like we don't get curious about what's what's really underneath it's like we're just responding you know from that just surface level what we feel well because we're never taught how bingo bingo so we're just taught to push away stuff we don't like and then we bury and bury and bury for years and years and years and years and then i work with people that are in their 40s and 50s and they're like oh my god i i I want more and i don't even know how to get it and I'm like, oh, there's all kinds of clues. We just got to look at the shit you've been hiding. <laughs> but it's so bizarre to me because it's, I think what just surprises me is how complex emotions really are and like how we're raised just to think that it's one way. And then it, there's so much that is unpacked in these emotions that that's, many of us are not even aware of, you know? I mean, that's, it's mind blowing to me. Have you seen that, um, my therapist a few years back showed me, have you seen the emotions wheel that it's kind of like it? Yeah. I, yeah, love- I use one of those with my clients. Cause usually we're taught like happy, sad, mad, angry, whatever, like these basic emotions, but you can get really deep and specific. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it, it was mind blowing to me. And it's, it's helped. I think when I was kind of like newer to even trying to be curious about the different emotions that are available, it was almost like, I need, I would pull it out and just reference, be like, okay, if I'm happy or, you know, whatever, whatever the surface emotion was and like taking it deeper, it really helps to name it and like more accurately describe what you're feeling. Cause we don't often take it that place. I think the average person. So it's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. And you know, to go back to NLP, when we are naming it, right. It does something different in our brain when we name something, like I was saying, it creates our reality. So we're not able to unpack things. We're not able to actually see clearly if we're like jumbling things up or grouping things into a group that maybe they don't really belong, you know? So I think it's super duper important to be able to name it. You know, sometimes even before I start working with a client, I'll say like, what's the emotion you're having right now? Like before we start, let's name it and then we can put it aside because just naming what's coming up, you know, or like first thing in the morning, I will journal, but all I do is say, like, I write down the emotions that I'm having. Mm -hmm. This is the first thing I thought of when I woke up. This is the emotion. I don't know why I'm feeling that. I'm thinking about this person from my past 10 years ago. I don't know why. Remember that cringeworthy thing I did when I was in fourth grade? I'm thinking about that. And I write it out so that I'm acknowledging it and saying it because it's showing itself so that I can heal it. There's clues in all of that. But when we shove stuff aside and go, I don't want to, oh God, like, I don't want to look at that, but it's mostly because people don't know what to do with it. Totally. And I'm glad that you mentioned like the journaling, because I know when I kept having jealousy show up for me last year, I finally just took out my journal. I'm like, well, clearly what I'm like, just suppressing this isn't working or like ignoring, like, you know, getting jealous and upset when I'm seeing, you know, the fabulous life of whomever on Instagram. Um, 
I finally took pen to paper and just started like asking myself questions to, to kind of get to that what's underneath the layers. But, and it was funny is that it, it revealed this narrative that like really dated back to middle school, high school, like bullying stuff that I'd, that, that I had thought like I'd very clearly moved on from. And mm-hmm. I, I hadn't like, it, it was just very, yeah. very wild with that. So how do you recommend, like if somebody keeps, maybe they're noticing a certain kind of triggering emotion, what, what's kind of like a good first step to try to get curious with it? Like, do you recommend journaling? Like what, what would you advise someone to do? Yeah. I mean, I think that works really well. You know, sometimes we don't always have to be doing something. Like Mm. if something's coming up, just sit and think about it, you know, just sit. And, you know, we talk, we hear a lot about meditating and that's like moving your thoughts to the nothing thought. But do the opposite, sit and actually think about it. Because sometimes if you think about it for 10 minutes, it all of a sudden it changes because you're looking at it and it starts to shift. And I think what happens then is that there's all this opportunity around us all the time. So like my unconscious mind sees like 2 billion bits of information every second But my conscious mind, the thing that you think is you, only processes about 126 bits. So it's a a vast difference. That means there's stuff happening all around you that you want, that you're not seeing because you've put your focus on the things that you don't want. And your mind will vote up to your consciousness what it thinks is important. And the only way it knows what's important is because you're focused on it. So, oh, you're focused on that thing you hate. Oh, you're focused on it. Oh, you're focused on it. Oh, you're focused on it. Show her, show her, show her, show her, right? And so then that's all you're seeing. And now you're not seeing all these like billions of opportunities around you. Literally, when people say like, people say sometimes to me, like you have the most magical things happen to you. And and I do, but but it's because I... I'm so thankful. I just want to say that. Thank you, spirit universe. <laughs> like, thank you. I love magical, fun things, but it's because I've ex- tried to expand my awareness so much. You know, it's because I don't I make a practice of sitting and thinking about that thing if it's coming up, you know? When I told you about that woman that I saw with the um with the purse. Yeah. I spent a lot of time. I was like, I'm going to really dig into this. What's the actual feeling? What's actually happening? When is the very first thought I couldn't have that? Why did I think I had didn't have can't have that? Whose voice is that? Like it is all about asking yourself these questions. So journaling, just sitting, asking yourself the questions, getting super curious, pretend you're a news reporter and what are all the little details you'd need to know? And something will pop, you know, something will come into your awareness and then you'll be like, "Oh, And then once it does, you start to notice the synchronicities. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question that might backfire on me, but I'm just going to ask it anyway. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. So when you were in that phase where you were just noticing you were jealous and you were watching other people, did Mm -hmm. you watch me? Was I somebody that you looked at and said, I wish I could have some of that? It's okay if it's not. I'm just asking. No, no, no. No, I would say in the specific time frame I'm thinking of, you weren't you weren't on my radar for that. Those, those feelings weren't triggered yeah. by you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The reason I ask is because there was probably a time where you saw me and you thought, I really like listening to her. I really like this, mm-hmm. but then something happened where all of a sudden we connected, mm-hmm. right? I can't, yeah. you came into my awareness 
And then we connected and now you've been on my show and we're like friends and like, I love this. Do do you know what I'm saying? So that might not have been a case of jealousy, but that might've been a case of this person's in my awareness. I was in your awareness for eight or nine months before we really connected. So something shifted, right? Energetically, because you're, you expanded, maybe you let go of the jealousy of the other things. And so that expanded what you saw was available. I had like a pop-up event. You came to it. We became friends. Do do you know what I mean? Like you wouldn't have seen that if you'd been closed up. I, and I actually, the thing that you just said about it's what actually was interesting as you said, that is the, the junk that I had been carrying with me kind of like the mid to back half of 2020. Mm -hmm. What's really wild is when I let go of that, the, what you just said about like letting it go then creates kind of the expansiveness for new things to, to happen. That was the time that I first ever connected with you. You did a focus session with me and it's really wild of, I'm probably not going to do a good job of like explaining this, but I have absolutely noticed a huge shift in my life when I have started stepping more into the energy of like possibility and not, not clinging to the old narratives. And I don't, you know, the synchronicities are pretty wild once you start setting your sights on. And like you said earlier about like the identity, right? Like I absolutely look at you and say like, she's got a booming coaching practice. She has an amazing podcast. Wouldn't that be so cool? And where it's funny is I think now that I've cleared out the jealousy and comparison, yes, I can actually look at you as like aspirational of like, oh, I want what Betsy has, but not in the whatever, like I'll never be that. She's had the, yeah, it's, it's really weird how like all of a sudden those emotions don't jealousy and comparison don't trigger like they used to. Right. And so then when I met you, I didn't get that feeling of like apprehension to me or anything. Like I just thought like she's a peer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That is so freaking crazy. I'm like, our our focus is so important. I don't, I know that we hear that a lot. Like, our focus, you know, our focus, it's, you got to focus where you want focus goes where energy flows or whatever. You know what I mean? We hear that a lot, but like, I don't know that people really fully understand. Like the other day I was, um, I recently moved, I sold my house in the suburbs and I moved into the city and I'm in a much smaller space. So my bed, (laughs) my dresser, there's not a lot of room in between where I like have to walk through. And in the middle of the night, if I have to go to the bathroom, I have to think about where I am. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So like, I don't want to hit that side post thing. Cause you know, that hurts so bad when you do that (laughs) in the middle of the night. So what I, what I realized I was saying, I was hitting it a lot. And I was like, what in the hell, you know, like, geez. And I realized I was saying, don't hit the post. Be careful of the post. Be careful. So now I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I have to say, like, stay in the space. So when I get up now in the middle of the night, I'm like, stay in the space, stay in the space. And we, the focus is different. It's, I'm talking about the same exact thing, but my focus is now on the space I need to move through instead of that. It's, It's the reason why when parents tell kids don't spill your milk and they immediately spill their milk, like within like four seconds, you know, because our unconscious mind doesn't get the no. Mm -hmm. So all it hears is spill the milk, hit the post. It doesn't hear any of that. That's really important because this has been something I've more newly learned about the subconscious kind of conscious mind connection, this, that, the other of like, 
what you're saying, kind of the subconscious mind doesn't process like positive, negative, basically it, it grows what you plant in it. So I'm curious then I approached a lot, whether it was in my life or, you know, right. Talking to friends, giving advice as far as, you know, I don't really know what I want anymore. And a lot of times it showed up job wise of like, I hate my job. And like the focus was always on, I knew what I didn't want, mm-hmm. but so how do you, I guess, how do you shift someone as far as, right? I believe that polarity creates clarity, right? You you know what you don't want. So that shows you what you do want, but how can you shift, you know, and I'm just going to say job because that's what's popping yeah. up, but like, say someone's mm-hmm. in a job and they, they know it's all these things they don't like, but mm-hmm. they're ultimately kind of perpetuating that cycle because they're focusing on what they don't like. What should someone do? Like, how did, how should they think about moving forward? That's different than how they've been approaching it. Like the opposite of that. So just now, yeah. And that's the thing is that it's, it can feel really difficult. I have done this myself recently where I'm like, what would be the opposite of that? Like, I don't know what's the opposite of that, but there is words that is the opposite of that. Mm. And so I think that you get the list, you know, and then you write down, you, you know, draw a line down the middle of a piece of paper and put the list of all the things you hate about it. Put the list about the stuff you hate about your spouse and about your job, right? And about your whatever, about yourself, like whatever. And then on the other side of that line, right? What it would be if it was right, you know? My boss is always condescending, but what if my boss is really supportive and listens, right? My boss is open to new ideas, right? I I work in a building that feels fun to drive to. So now- I want to, I want you to notice something that maybe I hate the traffic. I hate having to get to my office. Like I live in Atlanta. There's so much traffic, right? Sure. So if I'm focused on that, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I can't change it. Right. Maybe everything else I love about the job. Right. But I can't change that, but Mm -hmm. I can change how I view that. So instead it's my commute gives me a lot of time to think through things my commutes where I have the best ideas, my commutes where I get caught up on podcasts I love. You know, right, my commute, my, my dog is crying. Oh, here. Yay. Love so he's, he's a, he's a sleep walker, sleep crier. <laughs> oh, no. So, you know, if we can focus on that, focus on just shifting it to the other, sometimes we can't change things, but when we change how we think about things, they change. Now I don't hate my commute. Now it doesn't matter that my boss is a jerk or whatever it is because you're focused on the other thing. And you know, when we talk about partners or we talk about bosses, anytime we're talking about people, when we change what we're looking at, then it changes how we're acting towards them, even unconscious to them. They may not say like, Betsy's acting different. They just will feel it. And what happens is that nothing happens in a vacuum. So when you start acting different, they start acting different. So then all of a sudden you're impacting change with somebody just because you've shifted how you're looking at it. Then all of a sudden the load gets lighter and things don't feel so heavy. That is so, it's like, I I literally am just like dumbfounded listening to you because it's, it's so... It's so simple, yet we we get in the way of ourselves. And it and it's so true as far as when you start embodying that different outlook. I don't know if it's that we don't know how to get out of being stuck or being a victim, but like, you know, just as simple as right when I ask you the question of like, what do you focus on instead? You know, the things you don't hate. You're like, well, 
focus on the opposite. And it's like, duh, that's so simple. But like, yet, why does that, it feels so complicated. And it feels so complicated. Well, here's why is because your brain's designed to look for problems. It's designed that way to keep you alive. I have a story about focus. Can I tell my story about focus? Yeah, please do. I think that um, we underestimate how powerful our focus is. And, you know, I live in Atlanta, but I grew up in Vermont and I had like one of the, I had a really happy childhood. Did you have Mm -hmm. a happy childhood? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. Like I always, I always had a lot of fun. I have an older sister. My dad worked, my mom stayed at home and she did all the stuff like in the class. She went to every, um, she went to every like field trip. I used to keep a note in my backpack that said, I want to be a (laughs) <laughs> like I want to go on the field trip, like be a, what do you, what do you call it when people go, when your parents oh, like go. the chaperone or chaperone. Like yeah. I want to be the chaperone. So my mom wrote out a note and kept it in my backpack. And then if they said, we're going to be asking for chaperones, I would just bring the note up. And they would say like, you haven't even been home yet to ask your mom, but she, that's how like, she was like, I'm going to be involved. So she was super involved. Yeah. Anyway, when I was a junior in high school, she and my sister went to a hockey game out of state. They were super excited. I remember the night before they left, I was so pissed because I was like good junior in high school and I didn't get to go, you know? <laughs> so when I woke up in the morning, they were already gone. And by like around like 10 o'clock, they had gotten off on the wrong exit. And my mom stopped at this like little store to ask about where to go, how to get back on the main road. So they found this like little windy road that took them back to the main highway. And while they were on it, it was March and it was icy. And my mom slid off the road and she went down this embankment. And if you can imagine like picking up some speed, you know, as you go sliding across the road and it was into this huge field, like a huge open field with one tree. And she was focused on the tree. Like there was a huge field. She could have looked a lot of places, but she looked at the tree and hit the tree. And, you know, my sister was in the car with her and my sister crawled out to the main road and flagged someone down. The jaws of life came and ripped the top of the car off and they medevaced her to the hospital. She had surgery and she died about 14 hours later. Now, I have spent a lot of time thinking about that huge open field and what was it? Why, why, why did she go right for the tree? And it's the same thing we're talking about. It's because we are designed to look for things that might be a problem, right? And it's a matter of life or or death and not just your physical life. It's a matter of your happiness, your relationships, how great your job is, how fulfilled you feel, how much at the end of your life you look back and go, hell yeah, I did that full out. It all comes down to where you're focusing. And it's really easy and simple. You have to be trained to look somewhere else. It can be hard because it's your natural biological process to listen for the rustling in the grass, the thing that might be the problem. But the problem with that is that these days, the rustle in the grass isn't isn't the tiger. You know, it's the the woman with the fancy purse. And Mm -hmm. so then we're alerted to that and we look at that and we focus on that but it's not really a problem. And so it becomes this big thing. And before we know it, we spend a lot of energy focused on places we don't want to focus, creating a life that we don't want to create, and ultimately feeling unfulfilled and undervalued and kind of miserable. And I just think that you can change that. Like you can change that by tomorrow. Like 
even if you've done that for 30 years, like even if you're doing it today, you can shift. And there's so many powerful people now out there that can help do that, you know? I just, gosh, for everyone out there listening, like I hope, I mean, it's, I hope you take away just the importance of the power of your focus and how much I think, you know, I've, I've shared lately that so much of my, the, the studying, the, the work that I'm doing is all about understanding how our mind works because you nailed it. It's our brains are designed to work in a certain way, but just like you said, like our now threats, our problems are so different. And, and when you talk about, right, you give the example of, you know, our threat now is the girl with the purse. And then I think about how much we surround ourselves with like social media, like how connected we are to these distractions and how it like, it triggers us into this, you know, this response mode, right? Fight or flight. Like there was we scroll. The, the we, yeah. we scroll and do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah. God, I mean, it's just so many things are like lighting up for me as far as what you've said. And I just hope yeah. that, I mean, that's, thank you for sharing that story, first of all, but mm -hmm. I, I think it's so accurately summarizes, just like you said, everything we've been talking about today is just like your focus and what are we choosing to focus on? And if you are stuck, whether it's in, you know, that triggering emotion or, you know, you feel stuck in your life, that's no longer serving you. What, you know, the question to ask is what are you focusing on? And, and shifting that focus is, is really what I, I feel like is what mm -hmm. a big takeaway is. Right. Yeah. 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 And to, and to just notice where you're being drawn, don't beat yourself up. Don't be like, oh my God, I've screwed up. It doesn't matter. It just matters that you noticed. And then you have an opportunity to shift. Gosh, it's, it's, I already just like, I mean, I'm having like a cathartic moment just listening to you like talk about it. It's, it's just such a good reminder and like reset as far as I can look at, right. You know, before we jumped on this call, we were talking about like what a busy day it's been this, that, the other. And I'm like, man, it is all in your perspective. And I have been focusing on all the things that have been like the problems in my day. You know what I mean? And like, yeah. I, I just, I feel like a new person right now. Like it's, yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So I want people to understand how can they work with you and, and you, I probably won't say this correct, but I feel like on your website, you talk about that you, you help rewire high achievers. Say, talk about the rewiring. Cause I love that line because it makes so much sense. Like, especially on the heels of our conversation today. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, when I say rewired, I help rewire high achievers. And I think everybody that's listening is a high achiever or else yeah. they wouldn't be listening. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? High achievers are not listening to podcasts that help yeah. them expand, right? <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Someone had asked me once, do you work with just millionaires? And I was like, well, I have where I do work with some millionaires, but high achievers is, and that could go, I could go on a whole discussion about that. Why do you think that's the only high achievement? Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you could achieve uh, or define achievement and success in so many ways, but yeah, I work with them to help them up level. You know, there is this piece of people, I believe, where there's, they're like, I know I'm built for more than this. Why? Why isn't it working out? Like I've tried different things and maybe they've had a certain level of success, but it has felt like hustle. Yeah. And I think there's another way. And that is when we get ourselves aligned. And when I say aligned, I mean, my subconscious mind wants what my conscious mind wants. When those two things are together and working together, then things feel easy. Things feel like, oh, you have such magical things happen. Well, when everything's working in coherence, 
that's when magical things just seem to happen. That's when the lucky people get so lucky, you know? And so, yeah, so I work with people in a couple different capacities, but one in particular is a program I have called The Rise. We're going to be um, opening that up again and um, launching that again in May, beginning of May. So people will be coming on board in April. It's really, really fun. And it is a um, hybrid program. So some coaching, some classwork and a lot of fun. So yeah, so that's one of the ways you, you can find me on social media, at Betsy Page. I'm everywhere at Betsy Page. I'm not clever with the name. Some people have really clever. I'm like, oh, it's just my name, Betsy Page. <laughs> I know. I'm in the same camp as you. No. It- and honestly, go follow. I mean, we'll have, you know, Betsy's uh, Instagram handle in the show notes, but she's very generous with her content. And I think the the message she has is so, I say simple, but it's it's because we overcomplicate things. And you simple really- Simple is great. Yes. Yeah, it's simple. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I yeah. think between your social, between your podcast, you know, and even just in the, the one focus session we did together, gosh- mm-hmm not quite six months ago, but anyways, it's, it's really interesting. The reset that can happen and how it is just like you, you opened with earlier about talking about coaches that work with clients for, you know, like weeks upon weeks upon weeks. And you're like, really, that's a long time. It's, it's pretty powerful. The shift that can take place in a short period of time when you understand that connection of conscious, subconscious, and like, where is your focus, you know, and people can text me, they can get on my text. You have the best text community guys go do that. It's you'll see, you can sign up when you go to her bio, I get your texts and you have like some, I don't, we'll call it the universe. What some weird way of understanding. I mean, there have been text messages that like straight up stop me in my tracks. Like when I read it, I'm like, how'd she know I needed People that? People are always like, you were reading my mind. Are you in my room? You know? Yes. <laughs> it's so funny. The, the text community, I will say, so you can text me if you live in North America, it's, it's 770-343-3409. Just text me like, hello, and it will put you on the list. You'll have to click a little link. It'll send you a link and then it'll be me. You'll really be texting with me. And I send these texts out. And sometimes people are like, oh my God, you know, it's, you're in my head. But the platform that I use doesn't tell me it, it also tells me if it's somebody's birthday. And so just recently I messaged someone and I was like, happy birthday. Cause I tried to say happy birthday if I know it's someone's birthday. And they were like, oh my God, how did you know? Are you really <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I'm not creepy. I swear. It was like the app told me like, I'm not like really in your room. <laughs> that is absolutely hysterical. They're like, oh, she really is that good. Yeah. You're like, yeah, right? <laughs> yes. I'm just randomly going through and knowing whose birthday, but yeah, it was pretty funny. That is awesome. Well, Betsy, you are, like I said, I have admired you from afar and I feel so lucky. I'm thankful that I let go of my junk that cleared the expansiveness, the space that I could then, you know, I feel like. Be friends. Yes. Be friends. You have made a big. Someday we will meet and I'll have a fancy purse. (laughs) (laughs) So now, now what's going to happen is like later this week, I'll go on, you know, we'll see you on Instagram. I'll be like, Betsy has a new Louis Vuitton. Like, yes, what's happening there? (laughs) (laughs) So. Well, guys, go follow Betsy, get to know her. She is a gem and listen to her podcast, The Art of Living Big. It is fantastic. I think you will learn a lot. I think, I know I have learned a lot from just our time here together today. So I I feel confident that the listeners out there are definitely gaining a lot and understanding where your focus should be. So um, thank you so much, Betsy, for joining me today. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And I can't wait to connect with you on a future episode. Bye guys.
Thank you so much for listening to the Wake Up Call podcast. If you liked what you heard today, I would love for you to subscribe and leave a review. It takes just a few minutes and does wonders for helping other people find the podcast. If you want to connect outside of the podcast, you can do so by following at Alicia D. Hopkins on Instagram. And if you really liked the episode you just listened to, do me a favor. Would you screenshot the episode and tag me? I would love to see what's resonating with you. Thank you for joining me today. And I hope today's episode helped you to see that you can wake up to the change that's possible in your life.